why. Why was the early church doing this? The early church was doing this because the Holy Spirit was directing them to do it. Because what was going to happen very soon, and we find out this in the very next chapter of the book of Acts, or the very next story, actually, is that these people are going to be scattered. They're going to go back home. They're going to head back to Rome. They're going to head back to Athens. They're going to head back to Libya. They're going to head back to Ethiopia. They're going to head back to modern-day Iraq. But what are they heading back with? The apostles' teaching, prayer, and a full understanding of what God had prophesied and what God had done. So they were sitting under the apostles' teaching, but they were doing so because the Holy Spirit was taking this, this infantile, this fledgling church, and he was training people up who would then go and spread the message throughout the earth. That's the story that Luke is giving us up until this point. But what we find out here is something very interesting. Daily, daily, they were giving food, a food distribution, to the widows of the church who wouldn't have had a way of making money there in Jerusalem at that time. Now, the Hellenists were the ones who had come from outside Jerusalem. Helen is another word for Greek. That means that they were native Greek speakers, they were ethnically Jewish, but they were in Jerusalem because they believed the apostles' message and were now becoming part of the church. The Hebrews mentioned here are those who would have spoken the Hebrew dialect of Aramaic, which was what Jesus spoke, the Hebrew dialect of Aramaic. And so here's Aramaic and Hebrew, or Aramaic and Greek Jewish widows who are now being part of this daily distribution of food. Now, I've explained a lot here, but it's going to feed into the rest of this message, and I hope that you are taking it all in because it all has to make sense for us as we bring it together. What's interesting about what takes place here is that there is an inclusio in the Greek. The first thing that's said in verse 1 is, as the church was increasing in number, and then they end the story with, and the church increased greatly in number. So we have an entire story here, which means that somewhere in the middle of the story is the, is the meat of what made this church go from growing in number to growing greatly in number. The first thing I want to notice if you look down at verse 1 is that when growth occurs, new ministries are birthed. But in the midst of that, when new ministries are birthed, outmoded structures can kill momentum. Now, this story is meant to be an object lesson to us. That's why Luke is including it. He's wanting to show how the Holy Spirit can lead and guide and direct the church, even when things that don't seem so super spiritual come upon them. Now, I mentioned a moment ago that this is a new ministry. This is how we know that feeding the widows every day was a new ministry. In the ancient Jewish world, the synagogues gave out food to widows once a week. That was how often they distributed food. How often is the early church distributing food to the widows in their community? Daily. Holy moly. I mean, that's, that's quite a different thing altogether, isn't it? If the synagogue has to get ready to give out food once a day or once a week, that's one thing. But if the synagogue has to, or if the early church, I guess, rather than the synagogue, has to give out food daily, that's another thing. Can you see how the apostles who are tasked with teaching these 5,000 people all of the sayings of Jesus, all of these stories about Jesus, everything that Jesus had told them about how to live their lives and they're spending time doing that, and they're spending time preaching in the temple, and they're spending time praying, are thinking, 
how are we going to fix this problem if we're also the ones taking this money, transferring it to food, and then distributing it fairly? That's not going to work. That, that would be simply impossible. Can you see why, and remember, I told you this story is not about administration. I'm just laying this down for you. But can you see why the church has looked at this passage over the years and seen administration and, and wanted to talk about it? from that perspective. And it's, it's a good story to talk about administration. But we have other stories like this throughout the Bible. Numbers 18, uh, Aaron and his family, the priests, these guys were tasked with taking care of all of the sacrifices of the nation of Israel. And God comes in and says, well, listen, you can't take care of the entire temple if you're making all the sacrifices. So let's make sure the entire Levite nation becomes priests. The entire tribe of Levi becomes priests. They can each serve at different times of the year, and they can take care of different things within the temple. So we, we have other stories like this, but none so uh, intriguing as this moment, if you will. None so interesting as this moment where the apostles go, listen, we're going to need more help if we're going to make this thing go. So they diagnose the problem. We can't be the ones to fix this. We don't want to be these, see these Hellenist widows not taken care of, whether they just weren't known well enough or whether there was some racial, linguistic tension going on. We're not sure why they were being neglected, but we can't be the ones to fix this problem. So money wasn't the issue. Vision wasn't the issue. Values wasn't the issue. Leadership was the issue. We need more leaders. We got to have some people step up. So this is the beauty of what the Spirit is doing. A new ministry is birthed within the church, but the people realize when that new ministry is birthed, we have to change in order to make it happen the way it's supposed to happen. And the, the apostles just say, we can't wait on tables. We can't serve in all of these capacities. We must have more leaders appointed to the ministry. So what do they do? Well, you read it. The apostles then went out in the crowd. They found all their best friends and said, we really need you to help out. Is that what they did? No. Let's go back and read exactly what they did. Verse 3. Friends, select from among yourselves seven men of good standing, full of the spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint to the task. Isn't that cool? Now, why'd they choose seven? Well, seven's the Jewish number of perfection. So, that's my guess. They wanted to seem spiritual, right? Seven. We'll go with seven. Seven's a good number. But... It's really interesting here that they look at the crowd and say, who's got a good reputation? Who among you is it evident that they're full of the Spirit of God? And who among you is it evident that they got a lot of wisdom? Tell us, and then we'll appoint them to the task. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? A lot of times within structures and, 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 and churches, but not only churches, but businesses, there's this uh, good old boys network going on. You know, Ben's my buddy, so we need something done. I go over to Ben. Ben, I need you. Okay, well, if you need me, we'll get this done. Isn't it cool that they go to the community and say, folks, who's got a really good reputation? Who's full of the Spirit? Who's full of wisdom? Tell us so that we can set these people apart for the task. They ask the crowd. The crowd gives them seven. You know what's really neat about this list? None of those are Aramaic names. They're all Hellenistic names. They're all Greek names. Could you imagine if the disciples had just picked the guys that they knew? They would have had all Jewish names, would they have not had? If they just would have picked the folks that they were sure 
could step up to the task, they would have looked to their little circle. But instead, God and the Holy Spirit had something different in mind. He had already prepared people ready to take on this task who were of the Greek Christian community, who had come from places like Antioch and Greece and Ethiopia. This one guy, the very last guy, it says, let's look at his name, Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, that means he wasn't even ethnically Jewish. He was a convert. This is some outside-the-box thinking, isn't it? I mean, I, I don't know if you're, if you're watching this or if you're hearing this, but what takes place in the early church here is, is so not the way we do things. It's just not. The good old boys network is destroyed in a moment by going to the community. The community sends forth all these Greek guys and one guy who's actually ethnically Greek. This is an incredible moment. And you know what the apostles do when the crowd gives them these seven? Okay, let's pray over them. Now hold on a minute. We need a token Aramaic speaker in the midst of you. Send Prochorus back and uh, give us somebody else. No, they don't. They go with the list, don't they? Because it was evident who was in good standing. It was evident who was full of the Spirit. And it was evident that these people had wisdom. You want some proof? Look one more verse down, 6-8. Now Stephen, the first one listed among these new deacons, servants, deacons is just servants in the Greek. Stephen, full of grace and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Now it says in verse 9 that a bunch of people got into a fight with him from a Jewish synagogue. But look at verse 10. They could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he spoke. Now hold on a minute. I thought Stephen was just going to be a numbers cruncher, right? Wasn't Stephen the one who was just supposed to figure out the structure in order to put the money into food and then distribute the food wisely among the people? What do you mean this guy's doing signs and wonders? How dare he? That's the apostle's job to do the signs and wonders, not the, not the numbers cruncher. How dare he get in a fight with this synagogue and have the audacity to preach the word powerfully to them? But he was full of the Spirit. He was full of wisdom. He was in good standing in the church. He wasn't just relegated to the task of giving out food. If you want to go a little further, turn your page over for just a minute to chapter 8. I want to read with you chapter 8, verse 5, because the second one listed is a guy named Philip. Acts chapter 8, verse 5. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah to them. And the crowds with one accord listened eagerly to what was said by Philip, hearing and seeing the signs that he did. Now, I thought he was just the numbers cruncher, wasn't he? I thought he was just another guy in the list who was distributing food. How dare he usurp the right to go over to Samaria and preach the word? Interesting, huh? Interesting that these Greek folks who the apostles may not have even known of, they could have known of some of these, but may not have even known of some of these folks, are now leading revivals in areas that the gospel has not even touched yet. But what made it possible in the first place? What made it possible in the first place was that these people were serving in a capacity to impact the church that would then allow them within the leadership structure to go out from the church and do these incredible things that they were doing.
Once again, I want you to look down at the effect, and then we're going to turn it to what it means for us today. And you can turn back to chapter 6 if you want to. Let's look at the effect, the end of this story, chapter 6, verse 7. After they had laid hands and appointed these men to the task of making sure everyone had the food that they needed, we get the end of the story, verse 7. The word of God continued to spread. The numbers of disciples increased greatly in Jerusalem. And get this, a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Now, if you ever read Acts, you know what's just happened here. Because the priests were the enemy. They weren't just the, the, the folks that were at the temple. They were the folks that were at the temple imprisoning people and shouting, don't speak in the name of Jesus. And all of a sudden, the priests are coming to the faith. So great numbers are increasing. Even priests are coming to the faith. So if you just look at this story and just want to put a cap on it for a moment before we turn it to us today, the church responded well to new growth and ministry opportunities by getting new people involved, and as a result, they grow more. Good summary? All right, let's leave. No, I got a few things more to say to you. Stick with me. We got to make the application to us this morning. I mean, six times Acts makes these summary statements about growth as a result, what? Of human beings making really good decisions? No. Of the Holy Spirit leading and guiding the church to do that which the Holy Spirit was leading and guiding the church to. That's what's going on here in Acts chapter 6. The theme of the book has not changed. We don't just want to look at these guys and go, what, what wisdom the apostles had. Instead, we want to see this as the Holy Spirit-inspired activity. Where does it say that the Holy Spirit told them to start feeding the widows every day? Can anybody find that in Acts? You can't. Where does it say that? Where does it say that upon receiving the seven men from the crowd, the apostles went away and prayed for a year to determine if they were the appropriate men to serve? No, they were Holy Spirit-inspired. And they were not responding to their own whim. They were responding to what the Holy Spirit was making intuitive to them, was making clear to them. And now even the priests are being added to their number. Why does that make it in right here? That's a weird end note, right? I can see the church greatly increasing in number, but why is it that the priests are added here? What is the causal link between the church doing better by the widows within the church and the priests coming to the faith. Do you wonder that? What was the link? Think about it. I'll give you 10 seconds. Don't, 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 don't yell to me. Thank you, Bruce. I appreciate it, though. I want everybody to think about it, because if you give them the answer, then they won't think. 10 seconds. What's the link? Why are the priests coming to the faith now? Ten. Could it have been? that they were impressed, that these folks were no longer a bunch of weirdo cult members, but that the way that they took care of one another was truly inspired, and they really were the people of the Messiah? Could it have been that their activity in taking care of the widows better than anybody in Judaism had ever even dreamed could have led the leaders of the Jewish community to go, they're not just weirdo Christians. They truly care about people. 
Maybe they are God people. Probably not. Luke just probably put it in there for funsies. Right? Well, this is why we tell you when you read your Bible, slow down sometimes. Because otherwise you totally miss that throwaway line, wouldn't you? But it's not a throwaway line. There's a reason that it's there, and that it's a reason that in the Greek it forms the literary inclusio. The priests were responding to what the church had done. They saw something in them through this activity. And I would not be surprised if widows who had not come to Christ up to that point in Jerusalem were now running, were now running to the church because they saw something that was not taking place in their synagogues. I believe that there is so much in these examples this morning that our church must follow because this is God's scripture and he inspired Luke to include this story that generations of Christians would read this story and be impressed not by human wisdom, but by the Spirit of God's activity. We're a church that has experienced some growth. And in the midst of experiencing some growth, new ministry opportunities, local missions minute, have presented themselves In the midst of that, we as a church must have well-regarded, spirit-filled, wise men and women to step up and administer the ministries of the church. Silence. Spirit-filled well-regarded, wise in the way they lead their lives, men and women, to step in and get on the train that the Holy Spirit is the engine. Choo-choo. It's what we must have. This story tells us that we mustn't have the same old people taking on something new. That means that I'm not going to go over to Ben and go, hey, bud, listen, want to be a financial coach? But that from within the community, people who have been prepared for this work through the prayer, through the lifestyle changes, through the direction of the Spirit, would step up and step in to the ministry. Not the same old folks but some new blood, some folks with some Greek names to step into these activities and say, yes, I will respond to the Holy Spirit's call. How many of you feel like you could have done this task? Let's just say for a minute there's, there's 500 widows. That's a huge number, but let's say that. Let's say there's 500 widows among this group in early Jerusalem. Do you feel like with a group of six others, you could have administrated this task? Raise your hand if you feel like you could have. This is not a trick question. Yeah, Sam's like, I don't know, Pastor Matt, I don't know. I mean, isn't that interesting? And half of you didn't raise your hand because you're like, is this one of Pastor Matt's trick questions? Is he going to make me feel like an idiot in just a minute for raising my hand? No, really. There are so many of you who could do this. 
You could transfer the money into food, develop a structure, and feed those people. You could do that. You could do that. Do you think, though, anybody in that early church could have anticipated the results? And the church increased greatly in number, and even priests came to the faith. Now, that's an even crazier question. Not, Bentley, do you think you can do this? Yeah, you could. If you could give your whole effort to it, you could. But could you anticipate the result? What if, as a church, we lifted our eyes for just a minute? What if we impacted the community in which we live so strongly that mayors and council people and judges and police officers and community business leaders came to know Christ because they were amazed at the way a church had impacted the community? What if? What if the leaders in our cities looked at us and went, hey, those aren't just weird Christians. They, they really must be God people with what they're doing. But Pastor Matt, we are just a small suburban church. Why would you even say anything like that? It offends my sensibilities. What if we impacted our community the way that God is calling us to such an extent that people could not deny that Christ, the anointed one, was here? Now, you can choose the other method. Feel free. Feel free to choose whatever other method you want to impact the community with, you know? I was once speaking to a pastor friend of mine, and he said he was working under somebody, and that lead pastor would often be seen at the back of the sanctuary. And at the back of their sanctuary, there was windows that looked out to the main thoroughfare of the city. He said, I would walk there and I'd see my pastor sitting there day after day after day after day, just staring out those windows. So finally, after a number of days, he went over to his pastor and he said, Pastor, what are you doing sitting here every day? And the pastor dejectedly said, I'm just sitting here and I'm praying that maybe some of these people who drive by will stop in. Did you notice I said dejectedly? Dejectedly. We don't give the Holy Spirit enough credit. Because we say, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, do what you will. But I'm going to head to lunch. I am not equipped. I could never. I know that you said that you would fill me and use me. And you have. And I'm now a nicer person than I was before. But I want to tell you something, folks, from the bottom of my heart, because we've been preaching on the Holy Spirit for weeks now, whether we called it a series or not. The Holy Spirit doesn't want to come in and fill you so you can feel something. He wants to fill up your life so you can do something. Something that he's called you to do. Something that you need to be ready for. Something that you need to step up in. I'm not trying to coerce any of you into joining any of those three ministries I highlighted, but some of you should. 
because God has been preparing you for a long time to step up and stand in in the power of the Holy Spirit. And you've prayed and you've studied and you've, you've, you've changed so that God could use you. And I want to encourage you, don't psych yourself out of it. Don't convince yourself that God could never use you. Because he can and he will. It's part of the gospel. Don't go home and pray about it for a year. And then come back and say, I forgot, I, I was praying for a year and then my prayer changed to something about my bunions. And <laughs> If the Holy Spirit is moving in and through you, if you're submitted to him, if you're praying regularly and asking him to use you, there's going to be moments where you just go, yes, yes, I will stand up and stand in and do what God is calling me to today. Today. If I'm reading Acts 6 right, this all took place in one day. Think about this for just a moment. Where was the downtime? Where was the downtime? There was no downtime. Why? Because there were people ready and waiting for the opportunity to do what God was calling them to do. So my question for you today is simple. Are you preparing today for the future that God has for you? Are you? Are you preparing today for the future that God has for you? For the moment that when your name gets called, you say, yep, I'm in. For the moment where the butterflies start, because the Holy Spirit is speaking to you saying, that's you. What are you waiting for? Are you preparing today? Are you praying regularly? Are you asking God to fill you? Are you asking him to use you? Are you submitted to his will? God wants to use you to have a greater impact than you could have ever imagined. People got fed and enemy priests came to the faith. Holy Spirit has power to use you immeasurably more than you can ask for or even imagine. Will you submit yourself to his leading and direction and will you step up and step in when he tells you it's time? Let's pray. If you're new here to Victory Life, we just take a few minutes at the end of every service to just pray and ask God to speak to us and lead us and guide us. It's the most important time of our service. So if you're new, just hang out with us. We're not going to ask you to do anything strange, but we'll give you some direction here. Holy Spirit, we pray today that you would take these truths, many of them which have been spoken and applied differently to each life in some way. 
Would you take these truths right now and reiterate them into our hearts, into our spirit, man and woman, so that we can hear your voice and your leading, so that we can lift our eyes to what you have for us. elders are going to come and stand in this altar and if you'd like prayer today because you'd like the Holy Spirit to fill you up for service to God and you say you know what I would love somebody to pray for me that the Holy Spirit would fill me Pastor Matt I've been listening to your messages and I've been I want the Holy Spirit to use me but sometimes I pray I don't feel much I'd love to have somebody pray for me today that the Holy Spirit would come upon me and use me. We'd love if you'd come today in just a moment and allow our elders to pray for you. If you're sick in body today and you just need someone to pray for you because you are worn out with this thing that you're facing, we'd love to pray for you today. And if God's been speaking to your heart over the course of these series of messages maybe you came in with such a heavy heart today you don't even you, you couldn't even listen to what I was saying but you know God's speaking to your heart and you just want to kneel and pray at this altar as a sign of submission and humility to God these altars are open for you so in just a moment I'm going to pray and as I pray you come the minute I start praying you come if God's calling you to come today and to do some business with him if you're not coming today, I, I encourage you to continue to pray in your seat and say, Lord, what are you trying to grab hold of me with today? What are you trying to speak to me today? And in just a few moments, AJ will invite us to sing a closing song. But just for these next few moments, let's make this house, as Jesus said, a house of prayer. Heavenly Father, as people are coming today, I pray that you would continue to impact our hearts. Lord, that you can do more in us than we could ever dream if we'll only submit ourselves to you, both individually and corporately, God. You have a plan and a purpose when we are submitted to your Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord, to pursue being people of good standing, people full of your Spirit, and people whose lives reflect the wisdom of heaven so that when our name is called, Lord, we can step up and step in to what you have for us to do. So breathe the 